Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode on the Art of Customer Service brought to you by Digital Compact. Let's start. My name is Eric van Müller. I'm your host on this show, a former Canoeing World Champion, father of three, and founder of SolveMate, a leading platform for customer service automation. On the art of customer service, I talked with experts about what makes good service, which tools and practices are relevant, which new technologies are available in the space, and many other exciting topics around a great service experience. If you like this show, please give us five stars on a streaming service of your choice. And today, we're at the end of 2021. We want to look into 2022 customer experience trends. I couldn't have a better guest with me today because it's Katie Stabler. She has more than a decade of experience in customer experience. She's the founder and director of Cultivate, a global customer experience consultancy, and she is named the top 25 female CX thought leaders in 2021. Katie, I'm happy to have you on the show. And today we're going to be talking about the big topics that will shape 2022. Hi and welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here and I couldn't be talking about a more favorite subject than customer experience. <laughs> I, he <laughs> I hear the passion for that topic in the first sentence. Awesome. So let's directly get started. How did you become a CX consultant and what excites you on that space? So I became a CX consultant, I suppose, pretty much by accident, which I hear so many customer experience professionals saying, I didn't know customer experience was a thing when I was at school, but I worked for not-for-profit organizations for about 10 years, not in an explicit customer experience role, but you, you couldn't be more customer centric than a charity and a not-for-profit organization. So I guess I really started to get a feel for it back then. And then I interestingly went into my first professional title as a head of customer experience, where I was a formerly a customer experience person working for a debt collection company which um, not many people can associate customer experience and debt. Debt collection, that doesn't look like something fun, right? <laughs> no, exactly. But, you know, it was an amazing opportunity. It was a brilliant role, really challenging. And actually industries, difficult industries where customers don't necessarily get the best experience just by the nature of what the job is. Um, they need customer experience more than anyone. So um, working in customer experience in the debt industry was absolutely brilliant and a real, a real eye opener. And then moving into my consultancy. So I worked in customer experience for a number of different organizations in lots of different industries. So I moved out of the financial sector. I went into global memberships. And uh, just at the peak of the pandemic, <laughs> I decided... What, is there any pandemic uh, around? The... <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, who knows? It's been and gone, hopefully. <laughs> but no, right at the peak of the pandemic, so gosh, nearly 18 months ago, I decided to start up my own customer experience consultancy. And thankfully, happy to say, never look back. You just said something which I quickly want to touch upon. You said debt collection needs customer experience more than anyone else. Else. Would you mean there is industries, let's say e-commerce industries, banks or whatever insurance companies that need less of a good customer experience than if you were in debt collecting space? Not less of a good customer experience because customer experience, you know, it doesn't matter what industry, what sector, uh, customer experience is important. But there are some industries where customer experience is more impactful and more meaningful. And I'll use debt collection as an example because I can talk about that forever. You know, these are customers who, first of all, don't want to be a customer of a debt collection company. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm not going to pay my bills today and I can't wait to be contacted by a debt collector. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so they don't want to be our customers. It's not a nice topic to talk about. A lot of pride is involved. Financial difficulty is involved. So people who are going through that process of debt collection, it's already a difficult process. But if they can go through it with a company who actually really cares about them as an individual and displays human-centric behavior and kindness and compassion and flexibility and self-serve and all of the things that make that process easier for them to be a customer, then you're, it's a win-win for both happy customer, happy company. And a bad customer experience for somebody in debt can be really serious. You know, it's, it's an upsetting time. It's a stressful time it can have severe impact on your mental health so a negative customer experience can actually really make a, a negative impact on somebody's day whereas a good customer experience can lift a whole lot of weight off someone's shoulders oh my god dear listeners maybe i was not the only person having goosebumps while you talked about debt collection with so much passion i could feel that and if i was contacted by such a debt collection company it must make a difference to me and to everyone so taking this passion and of course i know that it's important for any company but taking the passion you just had in your words in your voice and taking it to any company i can understand why you're such an expert and why you're so thought after with that i understand so today we of course want to talk about the 2022 trends but before I do that, what was your best custom experience you've ever had? Or maybe the worst? Oh, mine maybe is a combination of the two. And for anybody who follows me, you may have heard this story because I will continue to tell this story for a long time. How can we follow you? <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram. I am the customer experience provocateur. You can get me on LinkedIn, just type in Katie Stabler, um, or obviously you can find me through my website. But this is an example of uh, Tesco. So an online, well, an online and um, in real life <laughs> grocery store, high street store. They do online delivery. I've been a, a customer of theirs for years. They have a substitution process. I think most companies do where if you order something and it doesn't come, they'll swap it. For a few weeks, they continued to send me very poor substitutions. I never said anything, but couldn't get hold of squid. Every week I was ordering squid. No squid came. One week I'd ordered chorizo and they sent me a chorizo frittata. So like a potato pancake with chorizo in it. I don't know what they were expecting me to do. I pull out the chorizo <laughs> and then the straw that broke the camel's back is I'd ordered some wine and they couldn't substitute it for any other bottle of wine so weekend came no wine and um, that is a problem so if Katie has no wine on the weekend <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm kidding not a happy bunny not a happy bunny <laughs> so that was yeah the straw that broke the camel's back and I finally complained so that's important to know you know that took full five weeks finally I complained not happy but The reason it's a good customer experience, not a bad one, is the customer complaint agent who responded was absolutely epic. So he answered all of my questions. He he like deliberately picked up on all of the points that I'd made in my email. He gave me some compensation. So that was all very lovely. He explained why some of the substitutions were a little bit less than perfect. But best of all, he wrote a kind of apology to the theme tune of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So when I read it, It brought an absolute smile to my face. I ran upstairs, told me the half, I put it on social media. And to me, that is just a great example of customer experience recovery. When something's gone wrong, they've really made it right. It was funny. It was personalized. It was somebody thinking outside of the box. And I think that happened about seven years ago. And I still talk about it as a good example of when things go wrong, companies can fix it. 
Wow, what a story. This is not going to be a conversation. I'm just going to just going to hear to the great stories that you have to tell. <laughs> that is awesome. And that also shows like if you tell that to me and I'm asking you for an example seven years ago, why that person specifically made an impact. And of course, not with every conversation, you can go that extra mile and make someone happy. And you're not always that creative and write something to even be creative and to really make you smile. But it makes a difference whether you hate Tesco, if they would not just have done anything, or you at least are neutral or you're positive or you're a raving fan. And like they made you a raving fan. I can tell about one example because I wanted to open a bank account for a company, for a newly founded company. And I started with one company, I missed a document and they didn't contact me for five days saying, hey, something is missing. Can you please provide that to open that bank account? And then I thought, well, you know, I tried at a different bank. Maybe that's not working out. And they were perfectly like, I've done the same thing because I made the same small mistake by missing a small file. And they contacted me, they wrote me a message, they were nice, they called me back and everything was settled in one and a half days. And I am now a fan of bank number two and not bank number one. And this is such a big difference. And um, I'm also telling it on a podcast. So <laughs> uh, of course not naming the company, but that makes a difference. So customer experience is important. That's probably one of the main themes in any episode of this podcast. So now the second year of the pandemic is going to end. What is going to happen in the next year? in customer experience and customer service in communication with customers. Katie, you're the expert. What is the first big thing that you'll see for next year? Well, I think one thing that we've all noticed is the growth of the small business. You know, so many people have taken to, you know, secondary income during the pandemic, have just decided to go for it, go for the dreams. They've been put on furlough or gone on redundancy. And so many new businesses are popping up. And I personally love the world of small business when it comes to customer experience because they have their difficulties. You know, they don't necessarily have the resources to put into customer experience. Um, there may be, you know, cash flow and time issues, but there is something intrinsic and beautiful about how small businesses do customer experience. And I'm really interested in how, when that business stops being so small and starts to grow and scale, actually, how can they take all of that good practice with them? So I think a big thing for next year is around the growth of small businesses and even how big businesses can take the CX mentality of a small business and carry it through their organization. That is a very interesting thing. Like when I'm thinking about a small business mentality, of course, it's not only about companies that were founded during the pandemic, but like small companies that have a few people that really, like they don't need to know each customer by heart, but they have this feeling of doing things better than the existing big incumbents in a certain market. How would you describe that small business CX mentality? And maybe you make an example to like a large corporation to kind of get a feeling of what that is and then how it will be adopted next year. So I think there's a few things when it comes to this. So first of all, unless you are, you know, really innovative and you've come up with a product, a product or a service that simply doesn't exist, you have to use whatever unique selling point or differentiator you can get to separate you from the rest of the market you're in. And I believe strongly that small businesses are using CX as a differentiator. And, you know, we know that from all of the industry reports that CX is a differentiator. Those who uh, put money, time and effort into CX strategies typically see the benefits and reap the rewards. But small companies are doing that because they have to. And I think why they're so good at doing it is yes, you're right. You know, they don't know every individual to say hello to on the street. 
but they are able to spend a little bit more time on looking at the data because they don't have as much of it as a big company. So it's easier to understand what you've got in front of you. It's easier to understand your customer. It's easier to keep an eye on your processes. It's easier to journey map. Because things are smaller, it's simpler to do. In fact, somebody once said, now I wish I could remember who, but somebody once said, customer experience is simple. It's just hard to do. And I love that. And I think it really applies to small businesses because it is simple. We all know what we want as a customer. That isn't too tricky to deploy in a small business. But as you get bigger, as your processes get trickier, as more people start to come into the conversation, that's when the simplicity of customer experience gets harder. So what should companies that don't have a small business CX mentality, as you just described, what should they do? I have understood that the small business CX mentality is going to be on the rise. It will be scaled. That means customers will be more demanding for that. That means if I am a CX person or a service leader and I want to change this, what should I do? So I think first and foremost, you have to have a clear customer experience strategy. And part of that is knowing who your customer is. So our generation of shopper is more conscientious. You know, they care about buying from brands who are ethical, who align with their morals, who support causes which they're interested in. So it's a lot more than just a customer who wants a product now or wants a service. So any business needs to have a strong customer experience strategy, which is built around an in-depth understanding of who your customer actually is and what's important to them. What do they want? What do they care about? What do they need? What are their expectations? So that's point one. Without that strategy, everything else you can do around customer experience can feel a little bit fragmented, which means that as a team, particularly in a bigger organization, it can be hard to buy into. But if you're all working towards the overall goal, your strategy, your mission statement, your values, at least everybody knows what they're working towards. So strategy is the first thing. Team buy-in is the second thing. And then I could go off in so many different tangents here, but you know, you need to have practices in place which support customer-centric behavior. So things like listening to your customer, using voice of the customer, not just listening, but understanding it. So analyzing what you get and transferring that into action, hiring the right people. All of this should sit within your strategy to drive customer centricity. Uh, but the crux of it all for me is knowing your customer, truly knowing your customer. That is a very clear trend. That means the small CX mentality will be more demanded next year. And in order to execute that, you need to have a very clear CX strategy. You need to have a team buy-in of your colleagues. You need to have practices support to support the customer-centric behavior, including hiring the right people and just giving them the time and freedom to do so. And first and foremost, as you said, knowing your customer. Awesome. That's a great prediction for next year. What is something else that you might think of? Well, kind of on the flip side, B2B customer experience. So I think if you talk to any customer experience professional, you're going to be really heavily weighted towards business to customer. And even if you, you know, look into Google and you type in customer experience, most of the resources you get are B to C. So there's loads and loads of content and loads of proactive effort around B to C customer experience. That isn't to say that that doesn't happen in B to B, but there's been, I think, over the years. Uh, less impact, less traction, uh, a little bit of a reluctance in the fact that often B2B companies, once you've got a customer in, you're building a good relationship, retention can be higher. So customer experience might not be seen as something that is top of the agenda. But 
I definitely see that changing and I'm seeing loads more out there in relation to B2B customer experience. So loads more content, loads more roles coming up. You're seeing a lot of uh, roles popping up in the B2B space and companies are finally, again, going back to that word, a differentiator, business to business companies are finally starting to see that actually it's not just money that speaks, but that customer experience is a key differentiator. I think I'd seen a stat off Gartner and you you can quote me on this, but I'm going to just put my hands up and say the number could be a little bit wrong. There's a really high percentage statistic. It's over 80% where B2B customers do not experience as good a customer experience as they do as a B2C customer, which says that if it isn't a trend, it heck, it needs to be. <laughs> that is interesting. So I would totally buy into that. You know, there is companies that have in a B2C world to the consumer, they have millions of customers and you need to like the differentiator and a more consumer world is more the customer experience. So you're predicting that this, I would say, consumer-like experience goes more into the B2B world. I would say in the old-fashioned way, you have a relationship and you want to talk to people, but maybe it is about writing emails, not about using a good communication method, like a, let's just say a Slack interaction with your clients. You could do that. That's easy. So would you say that the B2C CX will move into the B2B space or do you think something within the B2B, like it's going to be different talking to B2B clients than to end consumers? I think the latter. So I think it'll be different. Again, customers, even in the B2B realm, they know what they want. They've got high expectations. Our expectations as consumers in both space are just continually growing and they want a replicated experience. They want it to be as good as their customer experience. And you mentioned it there yourself. A big thing is around that knowing the customer and that personalization. There's loads of emphasis in, you know, customer success managers and account managers, building up relationships and building rapport. That is even harder now when we're not face to face all the time and you don't have the opportunity to go into your customer's office or vice versa. So there's way, way, way more emphasis, but also the complexities of B2B, the hierarchy and the ecosystem that you're working in. It's huge. So it's harder to get to know the individuals, but that is what they want. They want personalization and more than anything for that personalization to translate into proactive demand meeting. So what a business-to-business -business customer wants is for you to know their needs and be able to meet them. But if you can proactively identify their needs before they do and provide innovative solutions before they're even asking for them, then you're going to pitch yourself above your competitors. So it's a matter of not waiting for them to tell you what they need, but you knowing them and being able to identify it for them. That's an interesting trend to see. But there is a lot of B2B companies and Speaking of myself, we are a B2B company, but we are also like a customer of a lot of B2B companies. I would agree. I don't like to do the old-fashioned way. I like companies that are interacting with me in a very innovative, fast-paced way. And that's a good one. It's an interesting one. I didn't have this uh, on my agenda yet. Well, it's complex as well, because you, like you just said, you know, you're a B2B customer and the likelihood is that, well, one would hope that this business has many customers. And although a B2C customer can be split into personas, may have different wants and needs, they're still looking at you for the same thing ultimately. Whereas a B2B customer, actually that customer persona can vary hugely and their needs can be significantly different. And in the past, there may have been 
kind of a one solution fits all for all of these B2B customers with a bespoke element. But even now that's growing and that simply isn't the case for a lot of B2B customers. So it really is around that that personalization, that knowing your customer, sometimes stepping out of old habits you know again if you're a, a business that's been around for a long time and has got legacy process and legacy ways of doing things that might have been good for the customer five ten years ago is that good for the customer today or is it the best it can be so i believe that b2b customer experience is going to start to rival b2c customer experience and hopefully see some other practices continue forward so to summarize the b2b cx is on the rise and shall be more consumerized. In order to do that, you need to be more proactive, you need to be more personalized and um, one should step out of old habits. Am I also allowed to add a trend to this podcast, Katie? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. So I have one hypothesis, or like I have a lot of ones, but I think one is very important for customer experience in general. And my heading of that is time is the new gold. So here comes my pitch for that. We live in a world of abundance. I sometimes call this world the Netflix world, where you have everything instant and you have too much of it. I sometimes even don't know what to watch on Netflix because there are also Amazon Prime and Apple videos and we are having this on all the dimensions. We are having probably 50 apps installed on my phone and as the world gets more softwareized, I'm having less time to spend on each tool or each service. I just expect them to work and we're living at in a fast-paced world so the only thing, of course only talking about the first world, the only thing we don't have is time. And someone who is stealing my time is really annoying me as a person, but also companies shouldn't see this time of their clients in general. Maybe they should even make them want to spend more time with them. What would you, what would you say about this? Uh, I think that is such a crucial piece of customer experience because you're so right. You know, we are incredibly fast paced. We live in the world of Amazon next day deliveries. We want everything now or yesterday, in fact. But you're right. You know, what about if you could create that beautiful bit of magic where actually the customer was willing to spend more time with you and they didn't care that you were the fastest in the business. I've got an example of this. So I'm a customer of a brand called Cats Republic and it's an it's a subscription food box for cat food. But the reason I'm telling you about this is I think about how many emails land in your inbox. I don't think I read any of them unless there's maybe a promotion that really catches my attention. It's just delete, 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 delete. But Cats Republic, when they send me an email, I actually take the time to read it because their communication is so quirky and interesting. It's got me captivated. And I think if, if an organization can do that, if an organization can get you so excited about them and their experience and like you say, can make that time magic and that you want to actually spend and give them your precious time, then they're onto an absolute winner. And it's tricky. That's not easy to do because they are up against so much competition. There's there's so many people, people, businesses, tasks, people in our lives, animals, all fighting for our time. So to be able to actually, for us to volunteer it, that's an absolute winner. I would argue... And first of all, that's great that cat food makes you read um, <laughs> uh, like uh, their messages more than you'd like to be. Um, now, turning this argument around, a cat, probably, I assume you have cats if you're a customer of theirs. Yeah, I have a cat. That is a very emotional topic of yours. And yeah. one thing that I would see, let's say there is the yearly car insurance, which is something very unemotional, something more dislike. 
What advice would you give to those companies that basically have a non-emotional product? How can you make it quirky so that people want to spend their time and it's not only about spending less in customer service or in the interactions with them? I think it's what you're asking them to spend their time on. So the mundane transactional stuff, I think you said it great earlier, Eric, you know, it needs to be streamlined. It needs to be simple, self-serve if possible. You know, where we can do something mundane, non-emotional, uh, transactional, where we can do it without the need of intervention from anybody, simply, easily, friction-free, great. But I can give you an example, actually, of car insurance. So I have just renewed my car insurance. I have the feeling you always have a great example, Katie, for everything. (laughs) (laughs) This is the problem when you work in customer experience is you are always keeping an eye out for good or bad customer experience. But I hadn't thought about this one. But if I just renewed my car insurance, the basic stuff, don't care about processes, uh, was fine. The policies in place. I'm insured. Great stuff. But... One thing I didn't know about when I signed up is they have a reward scheme, uh, which when you sign up to it, you get discounts off lots of other shops. You know, they're, they're familiar. Lots of companies do it. But I've never, ever seen that from an insurance provider. And, you know, I've been getting insurance for the last 20 plus years. So the fact that they are doing something different to reward their customer and to differentiate the experience and just provide some extra added value. I have interacted more with this insurance provider than any other thankfully in a very positive way but they've gone over and above and they've they've took themselves out of basic unemotional experience to something a little bit different i think we are leading towards a fourth trend that we wanted to talk about which is standing out of the crowd so before we do that let's quickly summarize time is the new gold So no company should waste time on any of the mundane tasks of clients because the only thing that you don't have in our world of abundance is time. Time for customer service, time for stupid, hey, you need to print a paper and send to me a scan with an ink signature because we don't accept digital signatures. Those type of experiences. Companies should take care of time as it would be money. Now, that is a third trend that we see. What about number four, which means, and you quoted this in our uh, chat beforehand, standing out of the crowd. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying from a customer experience perspective, I think I may have said the word differentiator about 10 times in this podcast already, but it is true. Customer experience can be your differentiator and it can make you stand out in the crowd. You might go to five different shops on the high street and you might have perfectly fine, adequate experiences in all of them but you might go in one where the person behind the till is super happy super chirpy chatty to you makes the experience actually a really pleasant interaction and you come out and that's the shop that you'll remember later that evening so standing out from the crowd is really important and definitely from a customer experience perspective but you can do it in so many different ways and this is where that Kind of the the creativeness, the empowerment of your people, that ability to think a little bit differently comes into play. I could give you plenty of examples of where an organization for me has stood out in the crowd. Please, let's do so. That's what this is about. (laughs) Like, we want to give people that are listening here some examples. I was going to ask you if you had one, if you had a good example of when you could think of an organization that stood out. Maybe you start with one and then I'm going to add one. And you can think of my experience. Okay, so I'm going to mention wine again, don't judge me, but there there is a new company that I've just started buying wine from. They're called Lalo. They're a female-run, pandemic-sparked, ethical wine company, and their niche, so the reason they're standing out, is they 
produce wine in the box. Now, I think many wine connoisseurs, because I, I am not one, but I think many wine connoisseurs would think wine in the box, big thumbs down. Uh-uh. It's not the traditionally um, well sought after way of delivering wine, but they have gone on a mission to prove that it's more sustainable and that's what they're all about ethical sustainable wine growth and wine selling and they don't just sell wine in a box they sell wine in beautiful boxes that if you're having a dinner party you'd be proud to put on the table because it looks lovely so a they're standing out because they're doing something different they're doing something unusual that hasn't been done before and they're doing something that they're passionate about and that's my point b is you really see that because in all of their communication they are people they're not a business so it's another example of emails that i actually read they write them from themselves they talk passionately about the products there's lots of little touches around how to drink the wine how to store the wine the whole experience of wine buying is completely head and shoulders above nipping into your local store and buying a bottle off the shelf That is such a great example. Um, Beat that. (laughs) I I, I was, while you talk, thinking about a great example that is going to beat it. But I think I I will stick with the bank example that I had earlier in this podcast. You know, there was this bad bank, which was very recently, just this week, which I wanted to open bank account. And the other one was very hands-on, super cool. Send you an email, click here, upload documents, very streamlined, very fast in responding. And I think for me, what stood out from the card was the fast of responsiveness. So I had three exchanges in one day with a company and before we record that podcast, which was an answer time of less than an hour. You typically don't expect answer times of less than an hour, but so it positively surprised me. And knowing I'm a customer service, and this was a typical customer service request, um, I know how hard it is to answer emails instantly or to answer messages instantly and to look through documents, but this was super positive. It made it easy for me because what you really hate is being an asynchronous process where you send something and you need to take a note of, will this company reply if not follow up to them after three days? This is something they were very respectful with my time and that stood out from the crowd. And I will give them a positive review about this. That is, you know, they can't ask for more, can they? Having a, a customer to become a true advocate and like a genuine advocate where you'll take time out of your day, going back to that time thing, you'll take time out of your day to write them a review. Yeah, um, th- that is great. Really... Like they really were nice to me and they were positive and they solved the problem for me and saved my time. And you are right. Just as you said it, they make me spend more time with them writing a nice review. Yeah. I mean, that's win, win, win. Like a real CX achievement there. And I think... When we're talking about standing out in the crowd, you just demonstrated a really interesting point and a real reason why you need to stand out from the crowd. So when I asked you to think of an example of a, of a good experience, you went back to that same one. And I don't know if you know this, but and you probably have heard this before, we are more naturally inclined to remember negative experiences than we are positive. That is just the science, it's evolution. And that absolutely applies to customer experience. Um, when I ask my clients, you know, tell me the best customer experience you've ever had or tell me a memorable customer experience you've ever had the most answers that I get are those of a negative experience because we are just hardwired that way which is why it is so important to stand out from the crowd with a positive experience because you can all too easily fall into the very big pool of blah meh not great experiences. If I was a business leader, I would say, well, I mean, hypothetically, I could say, and I could argue, well, but there is so much resource constraints on all, on all sides. I don't have the t- We probably hear this more often. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do? Like, I can't afford 
having this luxury of a good CX. I can't stand out. I, I can't pay for it. <laughs> and we hear that all the time. And you still see, you know, pretty large scale companies who don't have a specific CX fun function. They've just got someone side of the desk doing it. And what I would do, what I do do with companies is kind of answer that question with the well, how can you afford not to? And I love the, the statement of the business leader, you know, CEO, whoever that may be, you're not the boss, the customer is the boss. And basically without the customer, the business doesn't exist. So if you don't understand your customer and you're not working actively to design an experience that best fits them and best meets their needs and wants and expectations, then eventually they will find another company that does. And yes, it can be time consuming. And one of the biggest challenges organizations find with um, bringing on customer experience is yes, the resource, be that time or money, but also the buy-in because customer experience is a long game. You know, it's, it's really cliche to say, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. And one of the biggest challenges is to, once you have buy-in, to have buying kept because you have to eventually demonstrate some kind of return on investment which isn't always easy to do in customer experience so my way of working with organizations is normally to show them the value so to go through it to work with them around um, identifying areas of their business where in which they might not have known or they do know but they haven't really given it much thought that actually there are areas where customer experience can be improved find those quick wins demonstrate the value and start to slowly slowly bit of nudge theory get people bought in and I think more importantly make sure that whatever strategy you deploy with the company when it comes to customer experience it's intertwined with everything across the business so it connects so it feels tangible to different areas of the business and that it's able to be broken down so you can say you know by month three we're going to do this by month six we're going to do this by month nine we're going to do this so it doesn't feel so huge and momentous and scary and a very long 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 strategy that was an awesome summary katie i just realized we already at the end of our show and time flew by i could talk with you about an hour more on 2022 customer experience trends we do not have the ambition to be collectively exhaustive but to quickly summarize what we talked today and what we think are the four most important CX trends for 2022. It is scaling the small business CX mentality for companies that don't have that mentality. It's about time being the new gold and being respectful of your client's time is very important and especially important in the next year. And lastly, standing out from the crowd in any business that you can be, even though it's very competitive and maybe very comparable. That was Katie Stabler. She's a customer service experience professional with more than a decade of experience. She's the founder and CEO of Cultivate, a global customer experience consultancy. She's a true expert. I'm so happy to have had you on the show today, Kelly. I wish you all the best for 2022 and to all our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Danke fürs Zuhören beim Digital Kompakt Podcast. Du merkst, hier ziehst du massig Wissen für dich und dein Unternehmen heraus. Wenn du mit uns noch erfolgreicher werden möchtest, abonniere uns auf den gängigen Podcast-Plattformen. Und hey, je größer wir werden, desto mehr Menschen können wir helfen. Also erzähl doch auch deinen Kolleginnen und Kollegen von uns. Bis zum nächsten Mal.